Home is where you should feel the safest. But the air there can be more dangerous, up to five times more polluted than outside air. Let us help you take the steps towards making it a healthier home with our Bryant Indoor Air Quality Solutions. We can help with everything from whole home air purifiers to indoor humidity control. To schedule an evaluation of your home's air, visit Bryant.com to find a local dealer. Bryant, whatever it takes. Curling fans, as America's best curling teams prepare to compete on the world stage, you've come to the one place with everything you need involving USA Curling. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with Price Atkinson. Get ready for everything that you need to know. News, interviews, points of view, anything involving Team USA forming and the 2018 Winter Olympics in South Korea for Team USA Curling is found here. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with Price Atkinson and the 12th In Sports Network crew powered by Isagenics. All right, episode 38 of the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th in Sports Network, powered by Isagenix, Price Atkinson, Jerry Gertz, President and CEO of Curling Zone. We are coming to you from Fargo, North Dakota, and specifically the Holiday Inn Express, Jerry. Is, uh, we have completed round-robin play here at the U- 2018 USA Curling Nationals being played down the road at Shields Arena, and... First of all, I'm going to tell you thank you. Thank you for all your hard work, and thank you for uh, doing these podcasts. But I want to say thank you for a lunch today that rivaled any as good at a place called Hoo-Hot, a Mongolian barbecue-style restaurant that was absolutely off-the-charts delicious. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Curling Zone. Yeah, cheers, Price. I'm uh, happy to be here. Uh, always happy to, to throw a few uh, few perks in the in the pot. <laughs> It's, uh, it's been great uh, working with you at the same time. And, uh, you know, it, the uh, the event down here has been really intriguing this week. You know, I think we're seeing some good storylines. And uh, it's it's always fun to come down here and follow the game in the United States. Yeah. So we've got a uh, whole lot we're going to get into. And, you know, my body thanks you. My, my waistline does not from that all-you-can-eat Mongolian uh, buffet today. But... We've got a lot to bring you here. We're going to bring get you caught up on everything that has gone down here with the on the men's and women's side of round robin play, which is now complete, including a tiebreaker game that we had this morning. We're going to get into all that. We've got player interviews. Uh, you'll hear from them uh, after their last set of games, uh, getting ready for the playoffs here. Um, we will give you a special interview in the middle of the podcast here between, with myself. And a couple of our Paralympians, Steve Imp and Kurt Black, they're part of the U.S. Paralympic curling team, and they are both U.S. Army veterans. Steve actually played college basketball at UConn and is a heck of an athlete. They're two incredible guys. Had a great time with them, talking with them in Blaine a few weeks back. Really powerful stuff, and they're just uh, they're almost at a loss for words, excited to represent the United States. I mean, they, they tear up and just talking about this opportunity to get to play for their country and can't wait to bring that to you here because I've been sitting on that one for a while but wanted to wait until right before the Paralympics Jerry because Paralympics open opening ceremony tomorrow in Pyeongchang and then I believe curling begins on Sunday if it's not Sunday it's Monday next week but those guys we certainly wish them all the best so we're going to talk with them I'm going to bring you that interview here in the middle of it but Jerry and I are going to get you caught up on everything we podcasted the other day We'll bring you another one Saturday after the finals and, you know, kind of encapsulate uh, everything that we witness and watch. But let's start on the women's side, Jerry. First of all, Jamie Sinclair, they run the table 7-0, and undefeated, didn't taste a defeat. I think their closest games was an 8-5 to and a 7-4 to win over Beth Total and Corey Christensen, respectfully. Yep. Um, but they soared through round-robin play. I don't really know how much more you can say about Jamie and just how well they're playing, uh, You know, coming off a little bit of a layoff. They look like they hadn't missed a beat. Yeah, I think when you look at the field here, there's, there's definitely uh, some separation between the top teams and the next group of teams. Uh, Jamie is, is uh, you know, she's... I believe sitting 13th ranked in the world this season on the order of merit year to date. 
So they've had a great year. They've really, uh, you know, put in the results. And they continue to play strong here this week. You got uh, Corey Christensen's team. Corey back with the team midweek to uh, fill that lineup out again. Uh, five and two record. Um, they're actually the three seed in the playoffs because Cora Farrell, uh, part of the high performance <coughs> junior program, yep. they went on and beat Christensen's team uh, in one, in their matchup. So Farrell will, will uh, have the advantage in the semifinal, mm-hmm. and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that junior team comes out. Uh, you know, you got uh, the junior women, Madison Bear, playing in uh, in uh, Scotland this week in the World Championships. But, you know, this Coral Farrell team is, uh, you know, proves that uh, the depth of uh, women's curling in this country is is quickly getting stronger. Yeah, we'll hear from Core in just a second. We'll bring you Jamie Sinclair right now, talking after their win. All three teams in the playoffs on the women's side, really resounding victories in their final round-robin game. Sinclair 8-1 over Ann Podal. Cora Farrell 7-0 against, over Emily Anderson. And then Team Christensen 7-2 over Beth Podal. All games ended early yesterday. But here's Jamie Sinclair after their win yesterday. And also something a little bit odd for them that Jerry and I will talk about. They will have two full days off. They will not see the ice again outside of practice for competition until the fi- women's final on Saturday, which will be played at 1230. Here's the skip, Jamie Sinclair. Yes, definitely. Goal one was accomplished to just qualify for uh, for the playoffs. And, f- I mean, it worked out well that we have the, the bye to uh, the finals. But, uh, yeah, no, just really happy with the way the team is playing. You know, we're confident out there. We're making a lot of shots and uh, feeling very comfortable out on the ice. Do you guys feel like you got maybe a little bit stronger, a little bit more comfortable as the week went on? Obviously, having had a little bit of a layoff. Yeah, definitely. Um, just kind of getting back into the groove of things, working on our systems, really uh, developing them as the week goes on because like you said we did have quite a bit of a break so yeah. um just just being back playing in and like we've practiced a ton but it's different playing a game especially a 10 end game so yeah. it's been nice to uh to kind of work out the kinks throughout this week yeah now you obviously have a two-day layoff yeah it's not, weird <laughs> not, not ideal no but, definitely not you know what do you how do you kind of work through these next two days not getting back on the ice until the final on saturday um it's a good question we haven't been in a situation before where we haven't been in a situation before where we've had two days off. We've had one day off kind yeah. of thing, like at slams and stuff. But um, it's really just about managing our time well, getting enough yeah. rest, but not being bored. So yeah. got to find something to do. Fortunately, we have a couple practices scheduled, so it'll be nice to get on the ice and just keep our legs under us. Yeah. All right, Jerry, there's Jamie. And not an ideal situation, especially when you're hot playing well, to basically take two full days off. Yeah, I think for Sinclair, they have the experience, though. They're going to know how to handle this situation. And I think they're comfortable enough that, uh, you know, they are playing as well as they are. Another thing, an interesting stat this week, uh, Sinclair is actually 7-0 and with the hammer. Mm-hmm. Hit the pin, you know, cover the pin or, or closest to the button in every game they played this week. So, you know, this is something that uh, the Sinclair team needs to do to win. You know, it really helps mm-hmm. their chances of winning the game. They're not the best team at coming back in games. And this is something that uh, I know they're working on and, and finding ways to improve. Um, so for them, winning the hammer and then, of course, being in that final, they will be starting the game with the hammer again. So yeah. they'll have played all eight games in the Nationals uh, with hammer in the first end to start. So that's, you know, that's a major recipe for success. Mm-hmm. And and you mentioned... Uh Cora Farrell, they defeated uh, Team Christensen. It was the fifth women's draw. They won that game in nine ends, seven to three. And that was when Corey was back. So Cora Farrell, as you mentioned, with that win, they will be the two seed and they will get the hammer in that 2-3 game that will be played uh, tomorrow being Friday, uh, Friday afternoon here. So um, here's Cora Farrell, the soft-spoken Cora Farrell, coming out of that shell, which is really cool to see. Uh, She's getting a lot of experience and uh, just building off last year's Nationals, which was her team along with Lexi Lanigan, Rebecca uh, Miles, and Kate Flannery. Uh, their first Nationals now in their second. Here is Cora Farrell after their win, getting ready for the playoffs. Yeah, we are very pleased with the outcome of that game and going into the playoffs as the number two seed is um, more than we had expected. So uh, certainly very happy with that. 
Yeah, how has how has this week overall been? Are you pleased with how you guys are playing? I mean, certainly, I feel like you guys really built off this Nationals experience last year. Yeah, I think we did. Last year was uh, a great experience for us in that we could learn uh, more about playing on the arena ice and um, on that stage of women's nationals. So definitely bringing that experience into this week really helped. All right, so that is Cora Farrell. And now you've heard from uh, Jamie Sinclair and Cora Farrell with, is the playoffs for the women. The 2-3 game will be tomorrow on Friday, I believe 2 p.m. here local time, Central. And then we will have the women's final at 12.30 p.m. on Saturday. Situation with the Worlds, uh, Jerry, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, when we start talking about the Worlds, it's mm-hmm. uh, Jamie Sinclair's team and uh, Corey Christensen's team. Uh, should they win, they will go to Worlds. The uh, guidelines rules were were loosened a little bit this year mm-hmm. in order to open the door. Being a World Championships this year, that is not nearly as critical in qualifying for the Olympics. And, uh, you know, the timing with, uh, you know, all the teams that are playing and everything, they decided to open the door a little bit and and offer a bit more opportunity for some teams to to climb up and get into that mix. Yeah. Unfortunately, on the women's side, we really only have two. I know uh, uh, Jessica Schultz's team would have been eligible from what I've heard Yeah. had they chosen to play down. But, uh, you know, I believe they had other uh, commitments or other things going on. And, you know, they weren't... uh, really driving for this all, you know, during the season as it is. Yeah. So um, should Cora Farrell win, that would mean that uh, Jamie Sinclair uh, would be the points leader. As far as I know, that's what it looks like. And then she would, uh, Sinclair, we go to Worlds uh, regardless. So that would be a bit of a turnabout from uh, last year when uh, Nina Roth went to the Worlds uh, with uh, after Jamie won. And you, you talked to Jamie last night in the... Uh, in the booth, uh, mm-hmm. the fifth end break interview. And, you know, she really had a great perspective on the situation. You know, I think she really understands the system. They didn't really seem to be all that, uh, you know, put off by the fact they didn't go to worlds because they had other things they were playing for and yeah. all that. And, and, and they put the right focus on it. And I think at the end of the day, that sets them up well for long-term success. Yeah. And not only does Sinclair play to go to worlds here, they're also playing as you and I've talked about a couple of times that, they're playing a win here would get them in the Champions Cup, the last slam uh, up in Canada, and it would also likely move them into the top 12, which would get them into the Players' Championship. So really entry into three big events, two slams and worlds, not just one big uh, event on the line. You've got three. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah it really is a big deal, a uh, big yep. deal for USA Curling to get another team into those events, especially the Players' Championship. Um, the winner here will go to the uh, Champions Cup regardless. There's a there's a berth spot booked into that event for the United States champion every year. Uh, John Schuster is already qualified for that, f- having uh, um, having won the Olympic gold medal. Nina mm-hmm. Roth is already will have qualified for that with her win in Porters the Prairie at the Canadians Classic. Yep. And the reason for that is it's, it was one of the highest strength of field events on yeah. the tour this year. So that helps them get their spot in there. So we have a potential for four United States teams in the final Champions Cup at the end of the year. Big. For Sinclair, the Players' Championship, she's currently 13th, I believe, on the order of merit year to date to qualify for that event. But the points earned here, and and I believe it would be about 18 and three quarters, Mm -hmm. would be enough to actually leapfrog uh, Bing Yu Wang and Kelsey Rock to jump into 11th overall, which would then give her a spot in the in the in the players championship as well. Yeah. So two slams and a world cha- world championship uh uh berth on the line for Sinclair this week and you know they know it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. uh they understand uh, what the opportunity is here and uh, you know it'd be uh, great for USA curling to see uh, them get there again. Nina Roth is already in the players championship. Mm-hmm. John Schuster is already in the players championship as well. 
All right, let's step away here. We'll, we'll recap and we'll get into the men here uh, in our final segment. But I want to bring you this interview with uh, two members of the U.S. Paralympic curling team, Steve Imp, the skip, uh, and also Kirk Black, uh, the vice skip. I want to bring this to you here in the next segment. I think you're going to really enjoy this. And uh, two guys that are just excited to represent their country have done it in the U.S. Uh, Army and now going to get a chance to do it in a different way, represent the United States on their sleeve with the Stars and Stripes at the Paralympic. Olympic Games starting in Pyeongchang. Opening ceremonies tomorrow, Friday, and curling gets underway a couple days later. But when we come back after that, then Jerry and I will return. We will get into the men's side of the draw as the playoffs begin tonight. One, two, and three, four games at Shields Arena. Don't forget, 10 bucks all you can drink. If that doesn't turn people out, I don't know what will, besides the great curling we're going to have on the ice. But we'll be right back here on episode 38 of the Extra Extra Podcast with the 12th and Sports Network, powered by Isagenics. All right, back here on the Extra Extra in Podcast with the 12th and Sports Network, powered by Isagenics. And this is an absolute honor, folks, right here as we're going to talk with Two members of the U.S. Paralympic curling team, and this is just a treat, guys, as we're going to talk with Steve Empt and Kurt Black, the vice skip and skip of Team USA, going to compete at the Paralympic Games March 8th through the 18th in South Korea, guys. As, as Olympians, all I can say is, first of all, congratulations. What does it feel like? Well, thank you uh, very much. It's, it's an incredible honor. Uh, <coughs> blessed, uh, fortunate to be in a position that we're all in to be able to travel the world and compete for our country with USA and our names on the back of our jerseys. Uh, every day that gets closer to the opening ceremonies, it's getting more and more emotional for me and get goosebumps thinking about it every day. So I'm, I'm honored to be uh, on the team and one of five to represent our country coming up in the Paralympics. Absolutely. Kirk? Yeah, I'm the same way. You know, Steve and I are both uh, U.S. Army veterans as well. And uh, it's one thing to have the U.S. Army and, and your name on their chest but uh, it's, a, it's a total different thing to be representing your country with your name on the back. Uh, it, you know, it's just a great privilege and an honor to, to even be considered to, to do a sport like this. Absolutely. As uh, Kirk Black is a vice skip and uh, Steve Imp, the skip of Team USA. Kirk, you're from San Antonio, Texas and curl out of the Madison Curling Club. And then Steve, you're from Connecticut. You curl out of what, I think a couple clubs, right? Nutmeg and you got a, another one that you split some time between. Is that, do I have that right? Yeah, I got actually got thir- three clubs. I, three clubs? Yeah. Oh, my bad. <laughs> two, wow. in, two in Connecticut, Nutmeg and Norfolk. And then uh, I travel okay. to Cape Cod, also part of the Cape Cod Curling Club. So. Okay. Well, there we go. Well, you know, I, let's just get right to it, guys. I mean, this is, we touched on it just out of, out of the gate, but to represent your country, to wear the stars and stripes on your chest, on your back, on your hat, what is this like? I mean, has it has it sunk in yet since you got the call and, you know, this became real that you are going to be going to your first Paralympic Games coming up in, in March? For me, it hasn't. I mean, I mean, we've talked about it for the last four years. And, sure. Um, it's been a goal for the last four years. Um, I think as it gets closer and closer mm-hmm. to the time frame and, and you see the, the countdown clock, you know, and you're seeing, you know, 90 days and – what have you, It uh, that's what's making it sink in a qu- quite a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, again, it's it's just a huge honor to be a part of this. Sure. Um, and to be even considered to be a part of this team. Um, we've got five phenomenal members of this team. Um, and so to be considered one of those five, it's, it's, it's huge for us. Yeah, absolutely. I, just to repeat what Kirk said, you know, this has started for me five years ago mm-hmm. uh, that I, I was told that I could be a part of this someday if I worked mm-hmm. hard. Um, so five years, dream, goal, goal of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, as far as it's sinking in, I had a nice conversation with John Benton yesterday here at the Four Seasons Curling Club. And, uh, you know, he congratulated me and I congratulate, congratulated him also on his, on his progress in the sport and his, what he's done. Um, but he said, you know, just take a, take a day, mm-hmm. let it sink in. Look around when you get there between ends. Look in the crowd. Take it all in. And uh, you know when he when he told that to me, I you know again had tears in my eyes, thinking you know this is really happening. Yeah. And this uh, all the hard work that we all put in individually, and then when we get together as a team, and then to be here this weekend too with these incredible curlers out here, 
and to see USA and, and Curlin and, and trials all over again, it's just an incredible honor, and we're blessed to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just awesome that uh, you, know, you watch, you know, the the guys on the ice, you know, that, that Nina Roth, John Schuster, uh, the the Hamilton, I mean, everybody, they just embrace you guys as, as a member of the family and I know Kirk you curl out of the Madison curling club and I mean, shoot you curl regularly over there with against the Hamiltons with the Hamiltons and, and Nina and you know a lot of the folks that uh you know from that uh you know outstanding club there Madison yeah I, I you know we'd like to be able to curl more with them they're yeah. uh they are um sought after quite by quite a few um but uh they are they're we're all part of a big family there mm-hmm. in Madison and um, we're all happy to be there in Madison and representing Madison, um, but uh, we are. We're just a big family. We've got uh, several great um, curlers there, there in Madison that uh, that represents the you mm-hmm. know part of the USCA. So, I, I'm I'm curious. I want to hear your stories. How you got into curling? Because I you know I I've read about it and I just think it's so awesome. And and Steve, you were you know at uh, you mentioned five years ago was just a a trip to Cape Cod and kind of a chance meeting. And as a college basketball player, I mean, you're, you're an athlete. I mean, you got a deep background and then Kirk, you, you know, track and field, you were, I know you were training in archery and then all of a sudden you go to a, a curling camp in Lake Placid in 2014 and bam, here you are four years later, man, you're going to the Paralympics. I just think y'all, both your stories are just incredible guys. Well, thank you. Um, fortunate to be in the right place at the right time for myself. Again, like five years ago, just happened to get away one weekend I uh, drove the two and a half hours at Cape Cod, never been there before in my life, which mm-hmm. such a beautiful place. I uh, parked my truck, rolled up a hill to get something to eat, and uh, I'm sitting there eating, watching the ferries come in on the, on the harbor there, and around the corner comes this man who's Tony Colaccio, he's an older gentleman, I like to say, he's, yeah. he always gets me ribbed for that. Um, he comes up to me and says, are you local? I said, no, I'm from Connecticut, about two and a half hours away. Mm-hmm. And there's about 10, 12 seconds of silence, and I'm looking around, and I'm thinking, I'm getting stalked here. Yeah. You know, I'm, where am I going to get out of here quick? <laughs> and uh, finally I said to him, do you mind telling me why you asked that? And he said, well, I trained with the Paralympic curling team here in the Cape. Uh-huh. I saw you pushing up the hill, and with your build, I can make you into an Olympian in a year. Wow. And I'm like, A, wow. what the heck is curling? <laughs> and B, I, where do I sign up? I heard Olympics. Where do I sign up? Right. Uh, being an athlete my entire life, I played every sport imaginable. Um, and I was, my accident was in 1995. So for about 17 years there, I experimented with different sports, basketball, racing, mm-hmm. uh, tennis. And this one sport came along, and it just, it just absolutely caught me and lit the fire, and I can't get enough of it. Yeah. Kurt? Uh, mine started a little bit different. Uh, 2007, uh, I went to the uh, Veteran uh, Summer Wheelchair Games, mm-hmm. uh, which happened to be in Milwaukee that year. Uh, went out, and one of the side events that you could go and do and try was curling. Mm-hmm. Went out, and uh, I had been there maybe 30 minutes throwing stones, and had a guy approach me and says, hey, you're pretty good at this. How long have you been doing it? And I looked at him, and I said, oh, about 30 minutes. And he says, oh, he says, i got to get you involved in this. And I said, oh, great. I said, this is, you know, this has been the first time I'd competed in a wheelchair ever. Um, went home. I was on cloud nine, and then never heard from the guy again. So, uh, uh Seven years go by. Uh, 2014, I'm up in Aspen, Colorado, skiing at a uh, winter sports clinic. Same thing. They have a, a curling event. Mm-hmm. So I go and do this curling event and uh, get approached by another coach who happens to be Rusty Schreiber. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, hey, he says, you're pretty good at this. How long have you been doing it? And I said, well, last time was seven years ago, and yeah. it was about 30 minutes. And he goes, oh, he says, i got to get you involved in this. And I just kind of laughed at him. And I <coughs> said, he says, what are you laughing at? I said, I've heard this spiel before. He goes, no, 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 no. He says, I'll get you. This is going to happen. It's going to happen. So he, uh, 30, within 30 minutes, I got a, a call or an email from the first gentleman who happens to be Mark DiPerno, who yep. uh, is on our staff as well. And he says, Kirk, he says, I remember you. He says, I'm so sorry. He says, but uh, we're going to have that veteran uh, camp out in Lake Placid. Mm-hmm. Come out to it. So I did. Went out there. Uh, it was three-day camp on horrible ice, on arena ice. And I uh, went home, and I told the wife, I said, here's the deal. I said, uh, we're moving to Madison. And she's like, where's Madison? And uh, and I told her where we're going, and she was quiet for a few minutes because she hates the cold. And then she says, okay, let's go. And two weeks later, we had the, the house packed up, and we were heading to Madison, Wisconsin for the 
for the winter. So, oh, wow, yeah, wow, unbelievable. And Dutch uh, is, you know, it, what I hear in in having doing a, done a lot of reading and just people around the sport. Once you go out and try curling, it's like you're. Everybody is told. Most everybody I've heard tell that same story. You're hooked almost the minute you get out there. Both of you guys were the exact same way. It's funny you to say that as we were coming into the room here to do this uh, mm-hmm. interview. Uh, young man passes by and he just saw the lights and the, the sheets of ice and yeah. he's like, wow, this is amazing. Right. Um, this sport, I mean, anybody can participate in this sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, able-bodied, disabled, young, old. I've, I've, at Cape, we got a guy that's 96 years old and throwing stones and mm-hmm. uh, young kids. So, uh, you know, we all get out there. It's a lifetime sport. It's, it's, you can't beat it. Yeah. Uh, and it's a, it's a brotherhood. It's a fraternity. It's a sorority. Anywhere you go in the world, you meet up with a, you're a curler. Oh, you're a curler. I'm a curler too. And you yeah. got something in common and you break the language barrier with it and sit down and, and, and enjoy each other's company. So it's, it's, it's an incredible sport. Yeah, absolutely. So we're talking with Kurt Black, the vice skip and Steve Imp, the skip of the Team USA Paralympic team coming up competing in South Korea March 8th through the 18th, one of 12 teams that will take the ice there. And something you guys alluded to and you both mentioned in your background with uh, as veterans, I mean, Steve, you you started at West Point. You were a college basketball player, and you played there, what, two years at West Point, and uh, then your father passed away and left West Point, and then you enrolled as a walk-on at UConn. I believe yeah. you were playing with Kevin Ollie. You played under Coach Jim Calhoun. Yep. Now you've got March Madness of another kind coming up uh, this next year in 2018. But, you know, your background, Coach Calhoun, Coach uh, or Kevin Ollie, now Coach Ollie, yep. those guys are really supportive of your ventures now still to this day years later. Without a doubt. Um, once you're a Husky, you're always a Husky. Yeah. And, uh, you know, bleed blue and red, white, blue now. But. Um, great friends. They've been around me ever since the day one of my accident. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been, you know, we battle a lot in the court. We hang out off the court. Um, mm-hmm. Just incredible people uh, from Coach Calhoun to Kevin Ali, uh, Ray Allen, Donnie Marshall, Danielle Marshall, Scott Burrell, all the, you know, a bunch of UConn greats. Uh, oh, always, wow. always there, always there for me. So. Wow. And I know Another Coach Ali is uh, in your Tolan fund, if I've got that name right. He's yeah. Coach Ali's really active and supportive in your work and ventures with that. Absolutely, yeah. He does a lot of work. It's the Tallinn Fund, uh, and that was the group that came along after my accident to mm-hmm. help out financially with getting me another vehicle. Uh-huh. And uh, he, he he does a lot of stuff in Connecticut with Kevin's Courts, and uh, they put up wheelchair-accessible uh, basketball courts and playgrounds all around Connecticut mm-hmm. for, for young uh, adults, kids, and, and people with disabilities to get out there. And, again, just to be on an even, even playing surface with everybody else, who's right. a lot of times – uh, unfortunately, people with disabilities are left out, and uh, Kevin and I are, are brothers. And um, he's he'll say it to this day, but you know that I was a major part in that, and him wanting to do this for the, the kids in this in the state of Connecticut. Yeah, absolutely, no doubt about it. And Kirk, uh, you know, you were a you're a military veteran yourself, served our nation in the U.S. Army, and you know, you alluded to it right when we started. I mean, the, you've worn the U.S. Army on your chest. Now you're going to wear the stars and stripes on your chest. Two things that just abs- you will never be taken away to basically to serve our nation in two different kind of capacities. I mean, wh- what is that like to serve in the field of battle and and obviously to to wear the stars and stripes? Um, it gets me choked up every time I think about it. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, it is. It's the hugest honor that a, a person, and I think only veterans would understand that. Yep. Um, but it's it's one of the hugest honors that a person can do, as far as I'm ever concerned. Yeah. It's it's it it uh, makes my eyes water every time I think and watch watch Reagan uh, Reagan out here uh, sing the national mm-hmm. anthem. I was thinking about Korea and them raising up our flag and and yep. giving us our gold medals and um, and just living the moment in that and and just getting water eyed over that as well. It's just. It's just breathtaking. It's uh, it's emotion, very emotional for me. Absolutely, you guys are, you guys are both heroes. You're both heroes because you've served our country. You have served our country at times where people may not want to do that. So you're heroes in that regard, and you're you're heroes for busting stereotypes, for being able to say, you know what, don't keep me down. I may have you know a disability. I can do things just like everybody else can do, whether it's you know drive a vehicle, whether it's go out and curl and go win an Olympic gold medal. You guys are heroes in so many different regards. I know you may not think of yourselves like that, but you are. What is a message you'd want to leave people? Because 
even with a disability, you never have to be down. You can always get back up. You can do it. You just have to have that willpower and want. Well, thank you for saying that. I mean, I'm, we're not going to, we don't look at ourselves like that. Um, you know, we were, we've had accidents. We have things in our past and we've dealt with them and we continue to deal with them on a daily basis. And um, I guess my message to people out there is just keep on battling every day. Yeah. Uh, treat people nice. Treat each other nice. Just take care of each other. Yeah. Uh, there's so many crazy things going on in the world right now. And no matter what happens, you come across a stranger, you know, give them a smile. You don't know what kind of day that person's going through. Yeah. Or what's happened, whether it's good or bad for them. And, and a, a simple smile might change that, that day, might save a life. Right. I mean, it, might, it might change that person's day. So um, thank you for saying that. Um, like I said, things happen. We deal with it. You move on. Sure. You keep going. Life is beautiful. Uh, whether, you know, some kids want to look up to us or other people want to look up to us and, and, and throw out that hero word, I mean, that's on them. Um, we in, in, I know I enjoy being in, in the spot I am mm-hmm. to be able to send a message and, and maybe give other people hope and, and I talk to people. We talk go to hospitals and speak to people that are newly injured and mm-hmm. say, hey, you know, you, you can do this. Yeah. I, I've been there. Uh, I've had a couple of days in a hospital where it was the bottom, absolute bottom, sure. worst days of my life. Come out of it. You're going to be fine. Yeah. You know, I'm here for you. You got support. Um, so just attack every day and just, just enjoy life. Life mm-hmm. is beautiful. Yeah. You know, in, my, in my opinion, I just think that it, disability or not, I mean, every there's not a person on this planet that doesn't and hasn't gone through something in their life. And you either learn to to live sure, or or not to. And uh, we choose to live. Absolutely. And um, so for us as competitors, you know, that's that's what we do is mm-hmm. is sports. Um, and, and so that's how we express ourselves. But uh, whatever it is that you are dealing with in your life mm-hmm. um, or have dealt in your life, you, you know, you just do those things and that uh, that you enjoy and to do and, and move on with life. And that's. That's just that's what you have to do. I mean, they're two great messages, but I'll say, I mean, you you guys are both heroes. You're you're people that so many people, whether our age, a little bit older, young kids that look up to you for what you're doing and what you have done. And so I will use that word hero if you guys won't. But as you guys get ready, prepare for the Olymp- the Paralympic Games in, in South Korea, March 8th through the 18th. What is it? You guys are going over there. Not just You're not happy to be there. You guys are going over there to win. Absolutely. Talk about the goal to go over there and be the best of the 12 teams. We've got nothing but gold on our mind uh, from day one. We've had a lot of changes in the last uh, few months, few years, personnel, uh, philosophy, uh, training and uh, we've all the five of us uh, have embraced it there's eight of us that were in the top eight program unfortunately three of them uh, did not make the cut but they're still with us mm-hmm. in our hearts and in yep. our minds but the five of us here are have embraced everything we are 100 percent all in to uh, working hard every day individually in our own clubs and then when we get together here or overseas wherever it might be to continue training and working hard and then getting to, to south korea and, and we've got nothing but gold in our mind yeah without a doubt yeah i mean that's just it we set a goal you know, back in June, uh, and what was our goal? Our number one objective uh, this year is is to win gold. And mm-hmm. um, we've seen the improvement in wheelchair curling in in just the last four years that I've been involved uh, involved in it. But sure, um, you hear it from every person that's been involved in the sport for much longer than we have, and they say, you know, in years prior, it was just one of those things you sh- you could show up and and be a part of the team, and it's, right. it is definitely not that way anymore. Yeah. Um, the sport has evolved here in the U.S. in a huge way, and uh, you got to get out there and you got to work every day, and and that's what we're doing. And um, our talent level has gone through the roof, mm-hmm. and we believe in each other, and uh, because of that, we we just know that when we go out there and give our 110%, uh, it's going to reflect. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up with Vice Skip Kirk Black and Skip Steve Imp, I'm just curious, uh, before we let you guys go, what is it the first-time Paralympians, what is it going to be like when you go in for the opening ceremonies? I mean, have you – I know you're probably trying to envision, but you you, you almost can't because you've never been there. But what is it going to be like when you hear the United States of America called and you roll in – as Paralympians for the United States of America. I know for me, <laughs> I know for me, I won't be have a dry eye. Yeah. There just won't be. Uh, um, you know, I try to be the big guy, yeah. but uh, I am, I'm a softie as, <laughs> yep. as softies come. And, and uh, 
again, it's just going to be one of those things that you can't imagine what it's going to feel like. But yeah. I, I've, I, I've imagined, uh, tried to imagine it in my mind for the last four years. Yeah. Um, and as it gets closer, it becomes more and more real. But uh, until that night comes, mm-hmm. I honestly couldn't tell you. But I just know it's going to be incredibly emotionally for emotional for me. I will I will speak for all our listeners here on the Extra Extra Podcast. I will speak for curling fans across our country, and I will speak for everybody that's an American. We are behind you guys 100%. I will not miss a stone. March 8th through the 18th, I will be watching every move you guys make, and I cannot wait to have my red, white, and blue on every time you guys are on the ice. I can't thank you guys enough. Kirk Black and Steve Imp, thank you guys so much. Good luck and go get it, guys. Thank, thank you. you very much. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Really All right. appreciate it. We'll be right back here on the Extra Trim Podcast. All right, episode 38, again, the Extra Trim Podcast. Price Atkinson and Jerry Gertz. We're coming to you from the luxurious Holiday Inn Express in not quite sunny, not quite beautiful, it is snowy Fargo. As it is cold, it is snowy outside, but Fargo's been very good to us, Jerry. I mean, we've had some good meals. We've had uh, some good curling. I'm not going to say this is this trip has not been a bust. We just haven't been able to see much of Fargo. I'm hoping to get maybe to see a little bit, including the Fargo Dome tomorrow. One Sean Olson said he's got a little, little tour cooked up. I'll have to check out the Wood Shepherd, too, over at the, uh, the museum here in town yep. from the famous... Uh, yep. A uh, movie by the same name? Yep. Yep. I think that uh, maybe a little sightseeing, if there what sights we can find in Fargo. Don't you know? <laughs> All right. Uh, as we're coming to you again, uh, 2018 USA Curling National Shields Arena. The men's side of the draw has wrapped up, including a tiebreaker game this morning. So let's set the table now and get you caught up on where we are uh, on the men's side of things. And really, it's a two-headed monster But with Greg Persinger and Heater McCormick. Team Persinger, Team McCormick, both 8-1 and one in round-robin play. But that number one seed or top ranking will be uh, Persinger, courtesy of an 8-3 to three win in eight ends. That was on Sunday uh, our first full day of action here. So Persinger and Richie and those guys will have the hammer tonight in the 1-2 game. And then in the 3-4 game, we will have Todd Burr against the winner of this morning's tiebreaker game between the upstart homegrown Team Brundage guys who fell to Team Nurnberger 6-3. to So Nurnberger will take on Burr in the 3-4 tonight. But Basically, as we look at the top, Heater and Persinger both tasted defeat just one time. Class of the field really so far, just as strong as they played all week, Jerry. Yeah, both teams are playing very, very well. Um, The hammer in this game is going to be huge for Persinger. Yeah. They have given up one steal all week. One. Um, One. Yeah, one one steal in nine games played. You know, that makes it really tough for Mm -hmm. for, uh, Heath McCormick to – Turn that hammer around, and that's the biggest thing he's going to have to do in this game. Uh, Rich Ruinen is playing amazing right now, calling the game, skipping skipping Team Persinger and yep. throwing third. Um, you've got Colin Huffman, who's uh, always strong, but you know throwing up another great number all week. And Greg Persinger has just been downright solid throwing the last stones mm-hmm. on that team. And you know they're making a ton of shots; they're not getting themselves into trouble. And for for McCormick. You know they've been solid throughout the lineup. Not quite at the shooting percentage level as as uh, uh, Persinger's team, but from what I've seen from McCormick's team, though, they've controlled all their games they've played in. Yeah. You know, you know, we all remember the Heath McCormick, you know, of previous years. You know, they like to play pretty. He likes to play a reckless, aggressive style, but he's definitely backed that off here. Yeah. You know, he's played some tight games, but. They've consistently had control throughout just about all the games they've played. Yeah, that that's it, my observation is they just they seem to have run into trouble not very often here outside of the Persinger game. But you mentioned aggression. That's probably what Peter's going to have to do tonight against Richie in that game is to be aggressive to get rocks and play. Yeah, I think uh, you know don't be shocked if you if you see uh, Heater kind of throw throw uh, caution to the wind here. <laughs> You know, I think they're going to have to do something pretty significant to overcome not having that hammer and the fact that 
Persinger is not giving thing, anything away this week. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, double center guards early, mm-hmm. you know, things like, uh, um, you know, draws, ignoring stones around the edges, picking their spots and just trying to make that aggressive call versus a passive call. And, yeah. you know, for, for, for Heater, you know, getting the force, you know, the other part of it too is, is you know, Persinger hasn't given up a lot of steals, but they're scoring a ton of deuces too. Yeah. And so that you know the magic between those two, you're going to win a ton of games if you're if you're scoring deuces and not giving up steals. Yeah, here's Heater McCormick after their win last night against Nick Conley, one of the two U.S. high performance junior teams, really a gritty team that uh, was really in the mix that had a shot to maybe make a tiebreaker. They would have had to beat Heater, but that didn't happen. Eight to three last night. Here's Heater McCormick. Yeah, I mean we're excited. Uh, things are going pretty well. We're playing real nicely. Uh, a little blip here and there uh, with, with a couple of things, but we uh, got the last half of uh, the game there to, to just sort out a couple small little details there. So we're uh, yeah, we're looking forward to the next the next round. Should have a good uh, good little battle with uh, Richie, a guy you know uh, obviously really well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean uh, they're they're playing well and, and they're a great team. So we're, you know we got to keep doing what we're doing and and be focused and ready for sure. All right, Heater and crew again, one versus two game against Persinger tonight, 8 o'clock, Shields Arena here in Fargo. The 3-4 game, Todd Burr and company, those guys are going to play Croy Nuremberger, uh, Sean Baton throwing the final st- the four stones in that, uh, in that, uh, on that lineup as Croy skipping it and throwing third. But Todd and these guys have had a roller coaster kind of week, and you're going to hear from him here, here in a second. And, and he, he basically said that's really the way it goes for us. But, you know, they won their first two games, Jerry. Then they hit a skid and lost three in a row, and I believe you know, you know, tensions were running high, and you know when you start losing, um, you you got to keep your cool. And uh, Todd alludes to that here uh, that they basically just kind of had to sit down and you know put some of those differences aside. They did, and they closed with four straight wins uh, to finish round robin play at six and three. Yeah, Todd Burstein, they're they're kind of that team that never goes away. <laughs> Uh, John Benton has had a great uh, week uh, yeah, at third. Yeah. They made that switch uh, early this season. Benton moving to third and and switching out with uh, with Hunter Clausen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, you've got Todd Burr, who you know one of the better drawers in the oh, game. Yeah. Yep. And so when you've got that skill set, you know you're never out of games. You know you can get into trouble and and uh, you know make some mistakes. You've got a a skip like Burr who can make that draw to save the end, yeah. you know, kick the can down the road and give it another try next, the next couple ends. So, yeah. um, you know, they're going to be tough to beat here. When you look at the Nuremberger team, you know, that's a lineup that's intriguing. I think, uh, Croy as a skip is still kind of learning the elite game. Yeah. Uh, Croy has skipped in the past, so this is not new to him. But uh, playing at this level, playing on this ice, you know, I think he's got a few things to learn when it comes to, you know, a little bit more creativity and in finding ways to generate deuces yeah. and, and, and using that hammer better. The one thing they are very strong at, though, is limiting scoring. And, you know, they play a ton of tick shots. They find ways to keep it open. So they don't get into a lot of trouble themselves with the hammer. Mm-hmm. You know, similar without the hammer, you know, they do a good job controlling play. So... You know, I think this is a team, I, I really hope Croy gets a chance to continue skipping for another year and, yeah. and see what he can learn and see how the growth can happen there. Sean Baton throwing the last rocks has been solid. And, uh, you know, gr- that front end, great to see Derek McLean get an opportunity to play yeah. and participate. You know, probably the best sweeper in uh, the United States men's program which I think would shock some people. <laughs> it but, did to me when you when you when we were talking about it last night I, and then just paying close attention to him today. I see why you were saying what you did. Yeah, it comes down to technique and you know they're playing against the Brundage boys and you know you look at the, you know you got a couple of big boys on that team. Yeah. But you know at the end of the day it comes down to how you utilize the broom in your body. Right. You know you got to get your center of gravity up and over you're almost to, you know, you know, the center of your body so that it's up and over the broom head. Yeah. You know, a lot of the sweepers, the mistake they make is the center of gravity is still on their hips and they're not able to put the body weight uh, over top of the broom. And, you know, when you talk about Derek, he's not a really big guy. Yeah. But from what I've heard when they did the broom testing, he actually put more weight on the broom than he actually has in body weight. So, 
he's able to generate that with with strength and force yeah. when when he does sweep. So uh you know, this is a team with some potential. So, you know, they could get hot, could go on a run. Mm-hmm. Though, you know, Burr and his experience will make it hard for Nuremberger to generate the, yeah. that offense. Here's what Todd Burr s- talked about and said about their roller coaster kind of week. And, you know, really Wayne Anderson, Sarah and Taylor, and Emily's dad, who's their coach, uh, really play an instrumental role in kind of getting things even back out and then back on track. So um, I actually just commented that I think this is one of the easier weeks. Um, this is just the way it goes for us. You know, I, I just I've been through this so many times, and it's never been simple. It's always a dogfight, and you just got to keep your head up. Um, you know, actually we talked about midweek because uh, we we played a game that we actually we I, we all felt that we kind of lost our cool and got away from what we usually do, and so we just needed an attitude adjustment, and we did that. You know, and, and Wayne has been really good at just talking about those types of things with us, and so uh, yeah, we just we we kind of kept our heads together and just you know battled through it and it's not like the game's getting easier um that win streak was uh nip and tuck but that's again uh partly the style we play and just i think partly the you know what we uh, expect should be a good uh, tiebreaker tomorrow night obviously you don't know who you'll get to play but you get a little bit of rest what do you guys kind of do to get ready um, I think that's it. You know, I, I think we just kind of, you know, forget it for a while. Uh, relax. Uh, we'll have, uh, I, I really, I think that is really our routine. We just, when we're away from the game, you know, we maybe watch the Briar and, and laugh at them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and say, oh man, come on, how yeah. could they be doing that? You know, and, and just forget about our own game. Yeah. And because we, again, there's a ton of experience on this team. And uh, I think that's been the approach we've always had. And just, you know, that's what we're going to do. All right, and that's Todd Burr. And Jerry just mentioned Derek McLean. You know, those guys, um, you know, 6-3 winners, uh, Team Nuremberger over the Brundage boys, uh, right from basically a homegrown team, so to speak, uh, from the Dakotas, um, who find them, who found themselves in the tiebreaker game at 5-4 and four this morning. But uh, Derek McLean, these guys, those guys get the win. Uh, here's what Derek had to say is uh, after their win and then getting ready, how they're going to spend kind of the time getting ready for tonight. Uh, it, was a, it was a really good game. Uh, we just sort of played loose. Glenn and I are trying to have fun out there and just let Croy and Sean do their thing and make sure nobody's thinking too much and, and just have some fun. You guys were in control the whole way, never really got in any kind of trouble. You know, good way to get on the ice. And now you've been out here one time today. That should probably help tonight. Yeah, shake off some of the nerves and uh, really see what the ice is doing with uh, just fewer teams out on the ice and get a good read in, on the rocks coming into the house. Now, what did you do to get ready for uh, Todd Burr and those guys tonight? Uh, we got a couple meals coming up, some massages, and uh, just a nice relaxing team time. And we'll just stick to our routine that we've done all week. Thanks, buddy. Good luck. Hey, thank you. All right, and that was Derek McLean. And one of my observations with those guys this week, uh, Jerry, is that Derek and Quinn seem to be having a lot of fun this week. I mean, everybody you know has fun playing when you're curling and winning. But Quinn getting to play, having basically been the fifth on that team when Craig Brown through the trials and everything. Yeah. And then Derek now moving into that team, longtime mixed doubles partner with Alex Carlson, but getting a chance at part of the, pro, the high-performance program – through the mixed doubles, but getting to come on with this team with some of the changes with Smitty not playing and then Craig Brown out. Those guys really, even in some of the losses, have just had a great time. The banter out on the ice has been a lot of fun, a lot of smiles. Yeah, I think, you know, they bring that team up well. Uh, Quinn is uh, an interesting character <laughs> yeah. out there. And, and uh, you know, I think for Derek, he's had some challenges with getting onto teams. Sometimes it's just hard to get, you know, uh, that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know he's he's playing here. He's he's got a chance, and he's taking advantage of it. And you know, it's you know that's the hard part. You know, and you know same thing with Quinn having been fifth player. You know, it's not great to see a young player like that sit most of the season and, and be a fifth player. That's yeah. one thing I'm you know I'm not a huge fan of. But uh, you know, it's it's that balance between needing a player who can step in when you need them. Yep. And and then uh, and then you know having them on the bench being ready to go mm-hmm. too, you know the Brundage guys in their first nationals they earned their way here through the challenge round and uh, Cameron Rittenauer, Evan Workin, um, Jordan Brown, the vice skip, and then Jed Brundage and their their fifth uh, Ryan Berg from here in Fargo. 
those guys were a lot of fun to watch. And we've talked about young faces and the excitement, the new faces, new and young, that have been here this week in Fargo at 2018 USA Curling Nationals. And, you know, those guys were a lot to get excited about because you look at Cameron Rittenauer, who you'll hear from in just a few minutes, uh, in the, only in his third year in the sport. Um, nobody, real, A lot of people hadn't heard of this team before, but they go to the challenge round, earn their way in. And I talked to Jed uh, this morning, said they're planning on going to play the uh, last chance in, in, in Hibbing. But they came here. Um, it, they were a team that it didn't really matter win-lose. They put their emotions out on the ice, cheering each other on, good shots. They were loud. The crowd was even louder behind them because they were more of the home the hometown team. Those guys were a blast to watch, and they all said it. Five and four, finding themselves in a tiebreaker game at Nationals their first time. Yeah, They were over the moon with how everything worked. A little bit unorthodox at times. Shooting percentages weren't the best, but they hit some big shots when they needed to, and that's why they got where they were in that tiebreaker against Croy and company this morning, Jer- Jerry. You know, you, you look at Cam's story, and I think it's a great uh... – you know, a great model for anybody who's interested in competing in this game. Yeah. You know, go out there, put in the work, go through the rocks, find find a team and go out and play some spiels. You know, one of the things that I'm hoping to grow from the World Curling Tour perspective is more opportunities for entry-level smaller events for teams like this to get an opportunity to, to get out there and play and compete and, and gain some experience. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about shooting percentages and it's something that, uh, you know, you look at, win-loss record, and you compare it to shooting percentages, and, you know... No correlation. Yeah, there's no correlation (laughs) whatsoever here with the Brundage team. But one of the things I kind of draw out of that is kind of the scrappiness of this team. Absolutely. They they bring the intangibles out on the ice. You know, they find ways to generate opportunities. They're creative in in their shot-making. Yep. In that, you know, when they find themselves in a certain position, they find ways to make a shot to either save the end or generate some offense. And that goes a long way, too. You know, they definitely have some things to work on when it comes to consistency and making more shots because there is a correlation to being a good team and finishing near the top of the standings and the shooting percentage. Yeah. The tendency is going to fall that way, that if you, you know, if you make more shots, you're going to tend to win more games. Mm-hmm. Now, I wouldn't treat this as a negative with Brundage's team by finishing at the bottom because, you know, there's a lot of things that they've, that they, right. a lot of positives coming out of their profile. But they can't rely on that and just throw the numbers out either at the yeah. same time. You know, there's, you know, when they step on and continue to work, continue to get better, you know, if they take this scrappiness and, and, and shot making that they, you know, that they understand when and where to make a move and, and how to overcome a, a bit of a negative situation because, mm. Even in that semi, in that in that tiebreaker, they faced several ends where they were in trouble. Yeah, but they made shots at the right time to get out of trouble. You know, now get out there, work on it, work on the game, keep making more shots. Now, when they get into situations mm-hmm. and games, they're going to be better for it, and they're going to score bigger ends, and they're going to be more successful, more successful <laughs> in the long run. Yeah, here's Jed Brundage, who uh, afterwards just you know ecstatic really with how they played. Of course, they wanted to keep going, but you know they all said it, and Jared, uh, Jed said the same thing. Look, a lot we can pick up from seeing these elite teams play that we can go back and work on, and this is just simply fuel for us going into next year. Yeah, we had a lot of fun here. You know, it's our first time. Uh, you know, we were a little tight coming out, and then we loosened up a bit. And we played a lot better. Um, you know, I'm proud of the guys. They made a lot of shots in front of me and made my life pretty easy. So, you know, I'm, I'm proud of what we did. So. Just, you know, kind of encapsulate what's the week been like for you guys to kind of play here at home and uh, first nationals, your experience. How did you take this moving forward? Uh, the, yeah, the support was incredible here. Uh, we had a lot of fans. You know, every time we made shots, the crowd got real loud. Yeah. So that was fun. Um, you know, a little bit of inconsistencies at, at times, but you know now we know what we got to work on to you know come back and try to you know, try to win this thing. So kind of help raise the bar a little bit for your team's game. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, you know we played a little bit during the year, uh, nothing like really really competitive, but you know now we kind of know what we got to do for next year. So. All right, that was Jed Brundage, the skip of Team Brundage, and. Uh, the nice tuck delivery that I'm going to miss seeing out on the ice here the next few days at uh, the 2018 USA Curling Nationals. But a guy you touched on, Cameron Rittenauer, who is their lead, just in his third year in the sport. Really interesting comments, and, and, and a guy you hear just incredibly upbeat 
um, about where he is, and I think is an example for a lot of young curlers that you put your you put the work ethic in, and you might find yourself in year three playing in a U.S. Nationals. I'm not saying that's going to happen for everybody, but clearly he went to work and put himself in a position for a team to say, yeah, you can help us. Come on and play with us. And, you know, Cameron says, just look all the credit to my team because you'll hear him say in this uh, in this uh, brief interview, I didn't know a lot at the beginning of the year, but boy, I sure learned a whole lot as we from starting through this, uh, this uh, end of Nationals here. So, Here's their lead from Team Brundage, Cameron Rittenauer. It's just been unbelievable. I mean, the experience, uh, being new to curling, and it's, you know, a dream come true. Uh, just to make it to Nationals was awesome for us, and then we end up in the top half is, is spectacular. What does that do for you guys, uh, you know, next season, having had a taste of this year, you know, fuel for the fire? Yeah, I mean, early in the season, it was a rocky start, and finally started getting our, our legs under us towards the end of the season, and, you know, our production here proves that, and I think we just hit the next step, and next year we come out running. You guys were a ton of fun to watch play. I mean, that's always part of the na- part of the game is to have some fun out there, but uh, everybody seemed to really gravitate to your team. Yeah, I, you know, we're just fun-loving guys. We have a blast. Uh, you know, even if we're down, we're still chipper. We still give each other a hard time. We, we try to pick each other up all the time, and, uh, yeah, I think the crowd notices that. Yeah. What's it been like uh, for you just in your third year curling to play at the U.S. Men's Nationals? You know, I, you know, my second year out, I decided to jump on it and practice, and it, it's unbelievable. To tell you the truth, uh, I never thought it would happen, and and uh, you know, I found a great team, great group of guys. Um, you know, I wouldn't be here without them. Um, Honestly, I didn't know much at the beginning of the season, and these guys taught me a ton, and it really brought me up to the next level. Do you think this, you know, young teams like you guys here have never played and, you know, gives you, you know, something to work on, wanting to get back here, and, you know, obviously yourself, just in your third year, you got a lot moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the next step for me is just practice even more. You know, I, I practice some, uh, you know, just getting out there, working even harder, realizing that it is possible and, and taking it to that next yeah. step. What about for, you know, showing the growth of the game? I mean, Schuster goes, guys win a gold medal. That's obviously going to help grow the game from coast to coast. But, you know, you're an example of, hey, you get involved, you practice, you can really go far in a short amount of time. Right, yeah. Those guys winning gold is huge for our sports, and it's really going to grow. And, you know, it actually proves that anyone can go out there, and if they put some hard work into it, you know, they, they can make it anywhere. Yeah. All right, Cameron from the Dakotas, but now actually has relocated to Peoria, Illinois, but he gets back this way and gets to practice a lot with his job, Jerry. Yeah, you know, that's a great story. You know, we go back to last year in in Everett, uh, Washington, and uh, Daryl Sobering qualified, you know, late into the field through the challenge round, and we had a Had to win like five straight games, I believe, at the challenge round, if I remember right. Something something ridiculous. Yeah, something like that. But, you know, a similar story there, too, actually, is lead Josh Chetwind. Yep. You know, I believe it was a first-year, comp- definitely first-year competitive curler. Right. But I don't think he had much more experience than that under his belt yeah. at all. So, you know, we're really... Used to be a pro baseball player. Oh, and that's neat, too, yeah. And, you know, the, so, you know, it's, it's the, you know, athletes coming mm-hmm. on board, starting to see curling for what it is, and, and wanting to be better and to actually rise to this level. And, you know, we're starting to see that growth and influx in new markets as yeah. well. You know, Cameron is listed out of uh, Sioux Falls, uh, South Dakota. Yep. And, of course, uh, Sobering's team was out of Denver. So you're seeing players, you know, coming from outside the heartland of curling in this country and starting to to get these opportunities now. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, again, we got the men's 1, 2, and 3, 4 games tonight, 8 o'clock p.m. here Thursday night at Shields Arena don't forget, it is $10 all you can drink. The beer garden should be packed. I've, I've heard a lot of the teams that are out of this thing now that might be helping to pack the beer garden <laughs> there tonight and blow off a little steam. A few started doing it last night, but it uh, should be a fun night, Thursday night in Shields Arena. Don't forget, Jerry, our boys from Team Schuster and Tyler George and John Schuster are going to be here in the house on supposed to be here coming from the West Coast. Maybe tomorrow evening, but certainly some events playing on Saturdays. You got a meet and greet, I believe, from four to five around three thirty. 
They're going to be honored on the ice right after immediately following the women's final, probably going to be in that 3, 3.30 range. Uh, but fans can come and meet those guys, probably take some photos. Those guys have been – It's I, I've kind of thought of it as the people's medal, the way they've let people wear those things and just have celebrated this gold medal. So if you want a chance to meet them – Come to Fargo. This is your place to do it on Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see those guys finally. It's uh, yeah, they've been on a bit of a whirlwind whirlwind tour. Mm-hmm. Um, busy uh, in New York. Um, they got home, uh, you know, from there for a day maybe, and now uh, they're out in Southern California right now. Uh, they made a imp- a bit of a surprise drop in to the Hollywood Curling uh, <laughs> Learn to Curl last night. Um, they were teaching Justine Bateman and her kids how to curl. Uh, lots of photos with them and the medals and everybody getting the opportunity. And, you know, the faces on the people who were out there learning, coming to learn the curl. You know, I heard a story that, uh, you know, at one point Matt Hamilton was like, he, he just, you know, took off from what they were doing, whatever, and jumped on the ice and just started teaching. Yeah. You know, got involved and, and uh, you know, took part in that. The connection with Hollywood is strong with those guys. You yeah. know, in the summertime they'll t- they'll go down to the Spiel. I know Tyler and and Matt have been longtime participants in it. John Schuster and, and Sarah were down there for the first time mm-hmm. uh, last year. We just got to get Steiner down there, and <laughs> you know, now that he's down there uh, visiting, I'm sure he'll, he'll yeah. see the allure of wanting to play there in the Spiel in the summertime. All right, we got to get one plug in, Jerry, before we get out the door, and that's to Kevin Palmer, who has got a podcast, Curling Legends. Um, you can check out his blog at curlwithmath.ca. Curling. Curling, excuse curling me, with cur- math. curlingwithmath.ca and host the Curling's Legend podcast and told him we would definitely get him a plug because uh, Johnny Hassan, a recent uh, interview uh, he did on one of his just recent episodes, you should check it out. You, I know you know Kevin pretty well. Um, does a lot of the um, you know history of the game is really kind of what his podcast is focused on, Jerry. Yeah, he's really started this neat uh, neat podcast where he's diving into the stories with a lot of the old legends of the game. Mm-hmm. I know Donnie Barkham was on for an episode uh, earlier, uh, either this season or late last season. You know, there's so many great episodes on there. Paul Gausel, yeah. um, you know, all these players who played during a time when there was a lot more fun had behind the scenes, <laughs> and some of those Putting stories, yeah, some of those stories are certainly yeah. uh, are coming out. Yeah, and uh, you know the Curling Legends podcast. You know, Kevin always does a little uh, preamble at the beginning of his podcast where he talks about uh, helping your older family members access podcasts and, yeah. and telling them how to find these things, which is. You know, you know, you're going to be targeting a lot of those fans of the game who, you know, will remember the heydays. And just just a note on on how to find it. Uh, it's not a .dot com address. I just did a little Google here. Yeah. He, he's got a Blogspot blog where all this stuff is. Just Google curl with yeah. math. And you can follow him on Twitter at curling math. So that's Kevin Palmer's. But uh, you know, I appreciate him listening to us and uh, want to help our friends in this uh, in the curling world. Um, you know, get off the ground and do what they're doing, like we're doing here. But also, let's plug curlingzone.com, Jerry. We can't get out the door without plugging Curling Zone, your home, your only home for scores, news, information, gossip, and a whole lot more at curlingzone.com. Now, uh, the whole analytics world is starting to break out, and uh, you know, it's. What day was it? I think it was like Tuesday or something when the uh, 538 uh, podcast dropped when they were interviewing Schuster and the boys. And I was floored to hear the uh, the nice things that uh, Matt Hamilton and the guys were saying about the analytics work that we did last summer with mm-hmm. them. And then, of course, the same day, the Swedes sent me uh, a pretty major article from, uh, from a paper over there talking about analytics and the work that... that uh, we did with them to help them win the gold medal. So, you know, it was pretty neat to yeah. kind of have my hands, fingerprints on both Olympic gold medals. So, uh, yeah. a big pat on the back to Curling Zone CEO and president Jerry Gertz to my right. And, uh, you know, we're going to have hopefully a story. Hopefully it's up tomorrow if we get everything done. Uh, just we'll tease that one, a, a, a story about really kind of where this all came from and, and, and where you're at and the analytics work you're doing with teams. And so I think people are going to re- want to read that. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's really neat to see how teams um, change on the ice. You know, it, it, maybe it's a little anecdotal and feel, but you really see teams start to play with a little bit more confidence. Yeah. You know, it helps them filter out the noise. They know what an opponent tends to do in a situation. And then they can focus on their game plan. And with changing game plans throughout the game, mm-hmm. what ends up happening is, is it's easy for a teammate to sit in the hack and have a little self-doubt. Yeah. Even if it's subconsciously, you know, that can creep in. And that, that you know, hurts you as a team. Yeah. And for, you know, for setting this up and creating a g- game plans and working all together... Now all four players are on the same page, and it really makes a difference in, in looking forward and, and executing on shots. Yep, so look for that on curlingzone.com, especially your home for everything with scores, news, statistics. Right here from Fargo, 2018 USA Curling Nationals, as we are ready to get the playoffs going tonight at Shields Arena. Again, 8 p.m. tonight, and we've got games at 2 o'clock tomorrow, and I believe also... Uh, tomorrow evening will be at 7 p.m. The men's semis, and then the women's final Saturday at 12:30, followed by the men's final at 5 o'clock. So for Jerry Gertz, let's go ahead and take this one out from the luxurious Holiday Inn. Bryce Atkinson, Jerry Gertz, appreciate you listening into episode 38 of the Extra Extra Podcast with the 12th and Sports Network, powered by Isagenics. We'll see you on Saturday. Thanks for being with us on this edition of the Extra Extra In Podcast with Price Atkinson. Follow Price and the 12th In Sports Network crew on Twitter and Facebook to stay up on our weekly contests, giveaways, and guests for upcoming episodes of the Extra Extra In Podcast, powered by Isogenics. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is... What's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. When the weather outside is frightful... The Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.